Hello, and welcome to the Breaking the Guard podcast with your host, Robert Drysdale, and myself, David Avalon. This is a mixed martial arts podcast where we talk about all sorts of martial arts related topics from fights, strategies, and more importantly, the philosophical and mental mindsets it takes to be successful and happy with the martial arts. This is our first episode, and we're honored that we have ADCC Absolute 2017 World Champion Felipe Pena. He is a up-and-coming talent, or I shouldn't say up-and-coming as he's already been a champion, but uh, he has a long way to go because he can make a really big legacy, and on this interview, he shares a lot of what it takes, along with the movement that uh, one of his coaches have come up with, which is the hashtag Everyday Pohada. If you follow the Jiu-Jitsu Circles, you will be very familiar with it, and he'll tell you his take on that as well. I hope you enjoy the podcast, and let's go ahead. And before we begin, I do want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, which is the Kimura Trap System. If you've been around Jiu-Jitsu Circles, you've probably heard about it already. The Kimura Trap System came out in 2011, and it's the ultimate Kimura lock system on the market today. It is now over 11 and a half hours long, and it'll teach you everything you need to know to use the Kimura, whether you want to do it off your back playing guard, half guard, you want to do it from the top position and attack there, or if you want to counter takedowns against the cage. It's a very effective system, and it goes step by step so that it doesn't matter where you are in your martial arts journey, whether you're a beginner or an advanced practitioner, you'll be able to use this system and implement it into your game right away. If you want to learn more and also get to see some free videos, you can visit KimuraTrap.com. Again, that's KimuraTrap.com. And again, you can just put your email there and you'll get free access to the first few videos so you get a taste of what the Kimura Trap system has to offer. It's again available in DVD and online streaming formats. So again, go ahead and visit KimuraTrap.com to learn more. Hello, you are watching Breaking the Guard. I am Robert Drysdale. This is our very first episode with my co-host David Avalan and our very special guest, current ADCC uh, Openweight Champion, Felipe Preguisa Pena. Felipe, how are you doing? Good, man. Thanks for the invite. Awesome, awesome. So, yeah, me, me and Dave had the idea about doing this podcast a while ago, right, Dave? And we discussed you know, like, different topics, different approaches to grappling in general. And uh, we wanted to talk about to some of the leading competitors in, uh, in BJJ. And, uh, you know, we had the opportunity, Felipe was here for a seminar, just on an awesome seminar at the gym, and we figured we might as well have him as our first guest on the podcast, right, Dave? Absolutely, you know, and uh, I know, Felipe, you come from, well, you train with Humo Baham right now, and mm -hmm. it's very popular, his trending hashtag, Everyday Baham, you know, so I would like to get your take on what does it mean to you when we talk about Everyday Baham? Mm -hmm. uh, I think it means like, uh, for me, it means... You're overcoming yourself, you know, like uh, not only about jiu-jitsu, but everything in life, you know, like everyday porrada means you wake up, you go work, you improving little by little every day, you know, step one, one uh, stairs every day. So for everything in life, you know, you need to like work, work hard and uh, overcome yourself for the, gonna sh for sure gonna any, any type of, uh, Jiu-Jitsu or any type of work, sometimes gonna show up some uh, obstacles, you know, and you need to overcome them and uh, keep working hard. So I think that's what Everyday Pohada means to me. Yeah, what I kind of got from the Everyday Pohada is, is exactly what you were saying. It's like, you know, put your head down and keep working hard. And it's gonna get hard. It's gonna get, you're gonna be tired. Yeah. And you're gonna be killing yourself. But you don't, you don't spend time talking about how tired and how much it hurts and how much you just keep going. You just go back to the gym and you do it again and again. Yeah, we and don't give like, up. Yeah, exactly. It's like this repetitive cycle of bohada. Bohada is a difficult term to translate into English, but it means... I was about to ask you, what's the Greek yeah. translation? Yeah, it's... I'm going to go with like... Uh, bohada, I mean, in the, the context that they're using, like it could be a punch, could be bohada. Yeah. But it is many means. Yeah, it's like would be fight like hard, a clash, or, a struggle, yeah. you know, a scrap, like yeah, a struggle, scrap, you know? know. Yeah. So everyday scrap, you know, that would be a close translation, I guess. Yeah. yeah. 
So it's a uh, that I think that's why like everyone, not only Jujitsu, you know, but like a lot of people uh, outside Jujitsu is buying the shirt and really hug the the, the movement, you know, because yes. they identify with the movement like for anything in life, you know. The people like they go hard, they gr- run after their dreams, and they work hard for it, you know, overcoming uh, yourself every day. So. That's what Robert said, like, put your head down and keep working hard. And, and who came up with the hashtag? Was that Homo? Uh, what's Homo? I think he competes uh, on, I think it was ACB, right? I think yeah, he, he yeah. did a super fight to ACB and someone asked him on the interview, Man, what is, what are you, how is your, your training, what do you do every day? He said, man, there is no secret, just every day pull hard every day and people, people love it. it, you know. <laughs> and people, I think, start reposting yeah, that and then he took it out yeah, there. Man, that's, that's amazing. That's the spirit. <laughs> uh, that's probably my favorite thing about martial arts. Yeah. Like what I took from it, they always talk about the medals and the accomplishment and the trophy and the belt and all that. But there's so much, so much more important about martial arts. And what I've got from it was learning how to overcome and knowing that things are going to be difficult. But yeah. if you keep your head down and you keep, you know, just... You know, one step at a time, you keep moving forward. It's not that you're going to get there. The objective is not even to get to a belt or tournament. The objective yeah. is to be a better version of yourself every day. Of course. And as long as you keep that mindset, you keep, you achieve that. You know, it's your better version of yourself every day. And that doesn't stop just, and I take the everyday pojada. Like, I think it's something that really translates to every aspect of your life. Not just sports, not yes. just martial arts or jiu-jitsu for that matter. Like, you keep that grind. And if you watch successful people, they may not use or the hashtag everyday pojada, but they have that spirit. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, that's the spirit yes. of success is everyday pojada. And in the wrestling went, world, they call it the grind. The grind I think Jordan yeah. Burroughs had, he would put hashtag grind, and he has a video yeah. about the grind, but it's, it's a similar concept. It's yeah. pretty much the same thing. And that when the people, they understand the concept of everyday pojada, yeah. they hug the movement, you know, yeah. because they, like, identify that, like, improving every day, you know, work hard every day, wake up, bed early, and... Uh, Go go forward to to your goals, you know. Absolutely. So, um, I guess like following with the everyday pohada movement. Uh, obviously, this is a question that every competitor on the planet has in mind. I get this question. I've gotten this question a million times. I'm sure mm-hmm. you have. Dave has too. Where is that line between everyday pohada and overtraining to the point where you're actually doing more harm to yourself than you are um, good? You know, mm-hmm. and, and and that there's a th- very thin line that you guys know what I'm talking about. Yes. It's like where is that? Where is it that I'm overdoing it? How do you find that line, you personally? Uh, like, I, I have a really, like, uh, op- my opinion on that. Because I think, like, everyone, there is a recipe, you know? Like, I know people that they're really good in tournaments. They do really good. They don't train, like, that hard. Yeah. And that works for them, you know? But for me, what really works, I think, what really made me, like, good at jiu-jitsu was, like, work hard than anyone else you know yeah. so i always have the example of homulo and yeah. for me he's like the work guy that work ethic really like really work ethic you know he trained like crazy now he's like he has his movement and he's not training like before but still training a lot but i i, I follow him back in the day when he was like uh competing in the other worlds you know and train hard and uh i I, I, I lived with him for two, six months, two, 2011. So, man, I, many days I was sick, you know, I was injured, like, and I keep training, you know. I remember, like, on the on the awards, like, 2011, I was training, like, for six months, training hard, like, putting all my energy that, all my time on that. And then I got hurt, like, three weeks before. I was, like, training. I just let, sleep on the mat and my foot pop, pop. Yeah. And my foot like was like huge, you know. And then I I start crying, man. <laughs> I start crying. I said, oh, I can't believe six months, you know. Yeah. The world is in three weeks, and my foot's like this. And then, and then I stay like three weeks without training, you know. And uh, many questions was in my mind, man. Three weeks without training, how am I gonna do that? Uh, maybe I'm not gonna be prepared, train for that. And I'm three weeks without training. Man, don't worry, you already did whatever. <laughs> Everything you could do it, just rest these three weeks, you know, go there and do your best. You're not going to even feel your foot. And then I won the words, weight and open weight wow. <laughs> on purple belt, you know. So I think that that's that's how 
worked for me, you know. So yeah. I always train like really hard, doesn't matter what, like sickness or or if I was injury, you know, I keep training. There is like a few injuries like that I, I actually could not train. But if there is no words, I actually was keep was going training as well. Yeah. But I just say for the words. But uh, that was worked for me. But I think everyone has a, their own yeah. receipt, you know. Yeah, your thoughts? Well, like I used to watch some videos of Homolo training, and it reminded me of, like when I was training, like earlier on. It's just like boom, hard wrestling, yeah. crazy matches, sweat all over the place, you know. So I feel like. That's how I trained when I was younger. Like if I if I tried to train like that now every day, I would fall apart. <laughs> just yeah. just from age. But yeah. I think when you're it's a, it's a thing. Yeah. It's real. <laughs> but I think when you're when you're young and you have the recovery ability, you have to take advantage of it. You gotta yeah. you gotta push that envelope a bit so you can get the most out of your body. Yeah. After a while, there you have a lot of experience as well, right? So I think. Uh, when you're young, you don't have like all this experience, so you can like keep training hard and recover faster. But after a while, you could like compensate that with all the experience you have, you know, because of course your body not gonna take all that training. Yeah, I think you were saying, and I agree, everyone's different. I think yeah. you have to find what works for you. There's no recipe. We're, we're not clones, we're yeah. all different. Some of us taller, some of us shorter. Some of us are mentally tougher than others. Like we all have these differences. And like one difference we have is like recovery rate. I know some people. I know people that train once a day, and that's enough for them. Mm-hmm. And I know people that train three times a day, and that's what works for them. Uh, I always struggle with that because I want, always wanted to find what that perfect recipe was, and I never really found what that happy, perfect place was. But you know, I I, I do believe that if I could go back, what I would have done different would have been I would have taken recovery a little more seriously. I would have made I would have given myself more easier days, like every now and then, like half a day off. Um, I feel like my performance increased when I gave myself a little break, you know, sometimes. Like, that's the whole thing I do two, three times a day, full intensity. Sometimes I think the quality wasn't there. Okay, the intensity, I'm tired all the time, but the quality of the training was was losing a little bit. But there, it's a very th- uh, thin line to tread. It's not, it's not an equal, easy uh, problem to solve. Yeah. You know, because then I was, I don't know if you guys study altitude training or whatnot, but, you know, the theory behind altitude training is if you sleep or you live in high altitude, that your blood produces more hemoglobin, you're able to absorb more oxygen, gives you more cardio mm. in simple terms. And a lot of people mistake that for thinking, oh, I should train at high altitude. Yeah. But what actually happens is that you have limited oxygen at high altitude, so you can't train as hard. It's mm. like trying to train hard and you've yeah. never, you haven't eaten in two days. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like your output's weaker. So actually people, you want to train at low altitude, but rest at high altitude. That makes perfect sense. Right? Yeah. yeah. So when we talk about training here, it's the same thing as recovery, right? Like if you don't give yourself enough time to recover, you're training at half a tank. Yeah. So you can't give your all. You're going to yeah. give like 60%. But yeah. training, you want to give out 100%. So there's sometimes people tell me, oh, yeah, I train eight hours a day. I'm like, well, it's probably not a hard eight hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they probably come to drive to the gym as part of yeah, the training. You know, yeah, you're talking. And, yeah. You know, you're training half speed. Yes, SIE after practice. You, know, you train a hard <laughs> 90 minutes, like going like that. Yeah, it's not realistic. Yeah, you, you're set for the... I, I heard this. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard of this. Uh, it's called the Pareto Principle, 80-20. And you basically, what they, they, these guys discovered is that people were peaking when they were training. The 20% of the time, they were going beyond the threshold. As hard as you possibly can, I can't walk. Right, mm-hmm. and then the eighty percent of the time they were training, but they weren't trying to push the threshold. It was more about quality training. So, well, for example, for us it would be technical training, long rounds, but not pushing your condition to that threshold. Yeah. So you can actually rest, but not push that threshold. And then when the twenty percent of the time you're going like, okay, I can't even walk. So you were doing this when you trained, mm-hmm. right? And that way they're actually getting more out of people's conditioning because you're every time you you train you rest, right? And then the twenty percent you peak you're actually getting more out of it. And it's a difficult thing to do because in your mind, I feel guilty. If I take a day off, like in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm yeah, out of shape, sure. I'm gonna gas out. It's so hard not to mind fuck yourself. Yeah. But, you know, I think there's there's some science to that. So, but once again, everyone's different. Yeah, I think like, and I try tell that to my students, everyone has your, your own recipe. But in my opinion, for at least like two or three years of your life of athlete, you need the be crazy of training, you know, yeah. at least uh, two or three yeah. years because 
like nowadays I don't train like I used to train back in the day, like 2011, 2012, you know. I back in the day I was to be a maniac, you know, <laughs> like yeah, train yeah. the whole year like crazy, no rest, there is no day off. And uh, I think that was, and that I had to overcome a lot myself, you know. And I think that was what really make my mentally strong, yeah. you know, because I passed through so many difficult situations and uh, I had two options. So I break mentally or I become like really strong mentally, you know. And I think uh, I become strong mentally because of that time, yeah, you know. Absolutely. So I think like for now, nowadays the the level is really high. Like everyone train really hard. Everyone has uh, eat good. Everyone do physical training. So um, for like like you said, everyone has their own receipt, but at least to, uh, two or three years of your athlete high life of athlete you need to really put that work and pass through this this really like crazy so let, let me ask you this and i'm sure this is something we've all struggled we all get injured there's no way out if you're going to go to war you're going to get injured people ask me this question my my solution to the problem i want to hear from you guys is was always you know you tape it you avoid the injury do what you can do so if you got a bad knee try to do something that doesn't bother that you tape it you protect it as best you can but well, you can't stop training every time you get injured because yeah. you will literally not train because you're in pain. You're injured 20, 20 I mean, you're 24 hours a day, 12 months a year. It does, there's not a moment where something doesn't hurt, right? So there's never that perfect moment where like, okay, I have absolutely nothing hurting and now I can train. So you have to work around the injury, right? I think that's the... So how, how, how did you de deal with that? How do you, how do you deal with the injuries? Like, uh, In my opinion, like Jiu-Jitsu is not about limitation. It's about adaptation, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I think like most of the injuries, you can still adapt, you know, work a different game. Like let's suppose you hurt your knee, you can still like and knees, and you can like knee slide, you can still like knee slide to the other side. And that helps a lot. Like I remember like actually this year when I hurt my knee, you know, after like one month, take one month off, and after one month, I still feel in my knee. And every try, every time I try knee slide, I couldn't, you know, I feel. So I start knee slide only with my other knee, other knee, other knee. And uh, be, be, before that, I never knee slide with my right knee, you know. And I got good at it actually. So when my knee got better on this, I every time like I try pass to this side, and everyone defends so good on this side. So because of my injury, I start passing to the other side. And uh, after I got good, I only passed to this side now because it's easy, you know, the people, most of the people don't defend the other side. Yeah. So I think like when you adapt like this, you can like actually improve in other ways, yes. you know, in many other ways. So of course there is some like injuries, like you just got uh, <laughs> ACL, a su yeah. a surgery, yeah. of course you cannot train, you know, and it will be bad for you if you train. but. Most of the time you can adapt, and uh, I think how more you got experience, how more you train, how more you spend time on the mats, you start to figure out what is dangerous, what you can do it, what your bo body can handle, what is, what you're gonna get hurt, what you're not gonna get hurt, you know. Yeah. Like uh, nowadays, it's pretty hard for me to get injured, you know. Yeah. I I get injured like in competition because <laughs> I don't want tap, you know. And uh, and uh, I push too hard, but on training, I pretty much suffer me getting. I get like finger injuries, yeah. you know. Sometimes I hurt my foot, but it's not. Yeah. It's never a really serious injury because after a while, you know what you can do it, and yeah, you learn your body. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I agree. And the more experience you become, the less you get injured. Yeah, you know, like there, like you were saying, there's rare situations where like I'm at right now where yeah. I have to say, but even now, like I'm watching more. And I'm in jiu-jitsu than ever. You know? And you learn a lot, a lot as well, yeah. I, I think it's important to keep yourself engaged. and Because you lose a lot of students over the years just from injury. Someone mm -hmm. gets a bad injury and then they just disappear. right? And they think, oh, I'm just going to nurse my injury at home. But then you spend a month or two months away from jiu-jitsu, whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. And now it's no longer part of your life. True. And then to try to get you back, it's really difficult. you know. So I always tell the students... Keep coming. You know, if you can't train, sit on the sidelines and take notes. You yeah. know, like just be present because you want to keep yourself engaged. And I think it makes you, your mind more susceptible to 
heal faster because there's a purpose. If you just go home and play video games all day, it's like sending a signal to your body. There's not a rush to get better. Yeah. You know, you're not going to yeah. do anything anyway. Yeah. So let me just camp out here. I agree. And the signal to your body yeah. to relax. I, I recovered off of pushing through injuries. And I, I strongly believe that I recover faster training than when I do if I just sit on the couch. I Doctors probably think I'm crazy. They probably think we're insane if they're no, listening to this. But actually, I, I think there's probably some science behind this. It makes sense to me. Well, I have one of my guys, Jason Suarez. He's an undefeated MMA fighter, 11-0. But before he even started fighting, he got a terrible motorcycle accident. He hit a, a car, cut him off on the highway, mm-hmm. braked, flew with the car, rolled. He stood up. He's like, I'm okay. And passed out. Really? They had to airlift him to the hospital. And they essentially, they had to open him up because he was bleeding internally. They opened him from here all the way down. Pulled out some organs. He had a spiral fracture of the knee, Achilles tendon tear. Total disaster. Mm-hmm. And he was lucky he survived the surgery. And they told him, well, and the family was in the room. He had a little thing for air. He couldn't talk. You know, like, he's not going to be able to do exercise ever again. He's totally done. He's going to be lucky if he learns how to walk again. And he was there with a little notepad. He's like, and said, Coach, get me a fight in three months. I'll be ready. And everybody was really sad. You know, because he's like, this kid's delusional. He doesn't yeah. understand what has happened to him. But sure enough, after a month, well, first of all, he would wheelchair to the gym. His mm-hmm. mom would drive him. He would get in the wheelchair. He would come to the gym and he would watch. And then he would wheelchair and then he will start hitting the bags off the wheelchair. And on the crutches, saying, I'm like, Jesus, be careful. If you hit this, <laughs> you're dead, you know? Yeah. So we had to compromise with him, like, oh, okay, you can lift weights with supervision, super light, you know? Yeah. And eventually, he was able to train again. And it wasn't a long time. It was, like, maybe two and a half months. And he was already, That's like, crazy. be able to train. Yeah. And to the point that we said, okay, my brother and I thought, look, he's never going to be able to compete ever again. But we want him to still be a part of the gym. So we're going to help him out as much as we can. But uh, he would go, and the rule was he wasn't allowed to spar at all. Mm-hmm. So... I'm teaching a class, he comes in, and then he's like, oh, hey, I'm going to spar today. I'm like, no, no chance. He said, no, no, uh, your brother told me it was okay. I'm like, he did? He said, yeah, 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 ask him. I was like, oh, okay. He mm-hmm. starts training. And then my brother comes in. Goes, David, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, oh, he said he let you. He said, no, he lied to you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but that was yeah. his spirit. It was un- yeah. unbroken. Yeah. True. And he went out, recovered. Now he's fighting professionally, you know. He and uh, he's got a very good career ahead of him. Yeah. And when I asked him, like, man, how did you recover so well? Right? Because I've I've had hurt shoulders and I nursed him like a bitch. You know, like, oh, I'm hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, and like eight months hurt. You know, and he was like three months near death, and he was back. Yeah. And he's like, well, I told myself that I was going to get back as quickly as I can. I did whatever I could do. You know, and he literally did. Like he would try to squat. He would do whatever he could because. The theory is that the more blood flow you get through your joints, yeah. the quicker it's going to recover. So yeah, when you're just sitting sense. like this, there's no blood flow going yeah. on. Yeah, true. So no yeah. nutrients are going to the places yeah. that are hurt. But when you exercise a little bit, and even now what they told me with the PT, it's like anything below a three in pain, you know, from a scale of one mm-hmm. to ten, push through it. You're okay. If yeah. it goes above a three, stop. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think like all this make part of your jujitsu journey, you know, because... Uh, there is, like you said before, there is type of people, you know, sometimes some type of people like you show up some obstacle and they just give up and stop, you know, and that's is one example for the injury, you know, mm-hmm. like some people start doing jiu-jitsu and they just got a small injury, they just stop, oh no, we're going to get injured and stop. But some people, they keep pushing yeah. hard and uh, actually there's some students like, man, this injury is too bad, I, I don't think he's going to go back and he... After some months, they go back, you know, they keep training hard and after a few years, you give a black belt to them and you remember that, you know, like, you overcome yourself, you really deserve this this belt and uh, I'm proud of you, you know. And, and I mean, that's my, going back to my pop, my, you know, earlier point, that's my favorite thing about yeah. jiu-jitsu, that's, it does that, like, it really forces people, it become, you become a better version of yourself through it, you become mentally tougher. Yes. Like, you really, you know, you, you overall, I think, it just improves on you as an individual, you know, so... For everything, not only yeah, jiu-jitsu. Not only jiu-jitsu. Actually, I call it school life. for life. Yeah, yes. school for life. That's where exactly I get. It is. I get my, my 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 I get morality off the mats. I learn a lot about people and about being a better person, being on the mats every day. Yeah, you know. So, I'm very happy there. <laughs> I'm biased, of course, but yes, jiu-jitsu <laughs> is the best thing that's ever happened to me. 
So th- talking about overcoming obstacles, like what's mm-hmm. a big obstacle that you've had to conquer in your athletic career that mm-hmm. it was like a big crisis for you if you had one like that? I imagine uh-huh. you must have at some point. Yeah, of course, like I have uh, many, like uh, all athletes, you know, like uh, sometimes you, some things like bad happen, something you don't expect happens and you need like keep it, overcome yourself, you know, like... Uh, like every sport, jiu-jitsu is not, uh, it's not easy, you know, and uh, especially like you be someone in a sport is already hard, right? So uh, it's a lot of sacri- sacrifice, you know, like Robert and you, of course, you guys know, but uh, you need like to really overcome yourself, not uh, some case, but every day, you know, like every day something show up uh, in a tournament, sometimes the guy give you uh, a submission and if you tap you lose but if you don't you're maybe already winning like these years from these these words for me was a really uh overcome tournament for me you know because i got injured since the first match and i had to fight out these beasts injury you know and many things passing through my head oh man i'm gonna have to wait one year i don't know if i can do it and uh, i was able to do and conquer that you know so that uh, is one of the biggest example of uh, overcoming for me, you know. Um, I guess like a question that everyone wants to talk about, you know, so we're just gonna drop it now. So you you fought Gordon Ryan twice, you know, you defeated him both times, once by submission. Um, did you watch him this weekend at the Nogi Worlds? Yeah, I was there. Yeah, what do you think? Uh, man, he proved he's good, you know. <laughs> I, I, I give him a lot of props because he yeah, stepped out of his comfort zone. Yeah. Because before it was submission only. I go, that's great. You can win one rule set. I'm not yeah. impressed. Yeah, I'm really I not actually, impressed. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, it's, there's, there's some significance to it, but yeah. there are people that are doing way more than that, <laughs> yeah. man. Like, not to, you know. I, I actually, being really honest, you know, like before when he competes the Pan Ams, I said, man, he won the Pan Ams, okay, but, you know, it's not a big big deal. The best yeah, athletes you did yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, actually compete against and yeah. uh, and uh, of course like he likes to talk a lot you know <laughs> he likes to promote himself yes. a lot but uh, and I said man let's see these words you know these words for sure gonna have some yeah. tough match like some uh, really good guys that yeah, are yeah, gonna yeah. show up and man he actually he, he actually did it you know yeah, he, did. <laughs> he won yeah, weight in so. the open weight so there's no much to say anymore yeah, like absolutely. he proved He's not only good in leg locks, but he proved he has exactly. a good jiu-jitsu. That was my favorite thing, yes. But, yes. bro, he's still, you know, yeah. he's still, he proved he is really yeah. good. He's a world champion, yeah. no gi, weight and open weight. I was able to do that in last time I competed the world. But, uh, like, he says a lot, like, I am the best in the world. Like, everyone can show up. I have a and, lot of respect for him. I think yeah. he's outstanding. He's the most talented people I've ever seen in jiu-jitsu. But like when I saw him like the stand, he was like walking around with his cape and crown. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like right next to Coyote, who's like ten times world champion. And I'm like, how do you wear a crown next to a guy who's like a ten world titles? He's right next to Kyle, just sitting there, you know, like not yeah. really talking. And he's got. I mean, I understand. I I don't agree with it. I couldn't do that if you paid me. Like I just can't see myself doing such yeah, a thing. I think but he actually do it, that pretty much to promote. You yeah, know, so. I, I guess. Look, it makes you more money. There's no doubt that that yeah. is gonna get you paid. Um, I just, to me, it's very strange in the, in the BJJ culture. We're not used to that. Like, it's not something yeah, we're, yeah. we're typically... Sure. But it's like, it's like I said, like, uh, I, I have to destroy my respect, like, his jiu-jitsu, you know, because yeah. I said that's going to be a test, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he actually made it. But, uh, bro, there is, like I said, there is so many high athletes. They are, like, eight-time world champions, you know, yeah. and they... They won like this tournament like many times, not one, but many times. Yeah. So he's still like young, you know, and uh, still a lot to go. Uh, of course, he's definitely good, you know. He's a world champion, no gi, ADCC champion, yes. you know. But it's still a long way to in so many yeah. tournaments to yeah. compete. If you and contrast it to other competitors, yes, I agree. Yeah. Like, there, yeah, so, there's a big list of people. Yeah, yeah. there is so many. There's, like, Bushesha, there is Galvão, there is Lu, you know. Yeah. So, there is so many good guys that uh, he still need to compete and win, you know, to yeah. actually 
but he has all my respect. You know, yeah, he uh, he fought really good. Was excited match to to what I really and, and he brings it. Hey, I like that about and, him. And he, uh, he yeah. fights forward. You know, that's the type of Never match that I, I like to compete yeah. and uh, I like to watch as well. Now, uh, uh, you were mentioning how, of course, Gordon talks a lot of trash and promotes himself. What do you think about that aspect now that seems to be becoming more prevalent in the sport? Because, you know, that since the UFC is taken off and everybody now is trying to market themselves more and everybody now seems to follow the Conor McGregor model, which is, mm-hmm. you know, peacock yourself, puff your chest, make taunt everybody. Yeah. Do you think that sort of takes away from the sport a bit, at least like for the martial arts? Well, to be honest... Uh... In my opinion, I don't care much about uh, he makes fun and he talks. I don't look, don't like to see disrespect, you know. Like you, like Conor McGregor, you talk about religion, talk yeah, about yeah, mom, yeah. dad, cross the line, there, girlfriend. Yeah. This, I think these things cross the line and only bring like bad things in the sport and mm-hmm. bad example for the sport. Of course, there is like many kids, many guys that watch him you know and uh, if you see them doing that disrespect i think just gonna bring bad thing for this sport but walk with a crowd walk with uh, no shirts in the tournament say he's the best say okay. this type of thing to promote i actually uh, and say funny things you know i actually i think it's funny <laughs> yeah, yeah so yeah. i don't care much it's not my my style you know i like to not keep quiet. I like to talk, you know, like we're doing here and stuff. But I don't like to keep promoting myself all the time. Yeah. I like to go there, showing that like that people talk about me because yeah. what I did and not because what I what I say, you know. But um, if you don't cross this line, for me, it's fine. Yeah, I think you made a perfectly valid point. Like you're right. Like it's it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, like as long as you're respectful. Like if you want to promote your team, you don't care. Like that's I think that's a very good approach. Yeah. You know, and, and you prove it on the mats, you know, as long as you can back it up. Yeah. That's my other thing. Because you're going to talk the talk. Okay, we want to see it happen. Yeah. Now. If you can back it up. You know, like, I, I don't like Connor's style personally. Yeah. But I, yeah, he's, he, for the, I mean, he's lost his last couple of fights, but he, he does really, he's an exceptionally good fighter. He normally backs it up. And, you know, I, I can respect that. Yeah, it's like, uh, I think that is, if you, como você fala, chamar desafiar o cara? Challenge. If you challenge someone, it's fine, you know, if you make fun, if you walk with that crowd, yeah. that's all fun. But uh, you disrespect someone like uh, they, like some athletes do it, you know, yeah. I, I don't think that's nice. And uh, in the end, I don't think, maybe in the right in the time, the people get excited and think it's nice. But in the end, you know, I think people don't like it at all, you know. Yeah. In the end, people are just going to talk shit about you and think you're not a really bad person or something about yeah. that. So I don't agree with that, but uh, the rest is all fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I see it the same way pretty much because to me the martial arts is unique in a sport. It's because it's not just the athletic ability that's required, but we're also creating a mindset, you know, a philosophy. And to me, respect is one of those virtues that the martial arts brings so well. It might be good marketing to start, you know, cursing everybody and throwing truck dollies yeah. <laughs> into buses and stuff. Who are you going to be bringing into the sport? Who are you attracting yeah. now? You know, like you're saying, a lot of young kids are watching and exactly. all the role models are being thugs. And, yeah. you know, it's especially as martial arts school owners. And you, know, like you, want, you want like every sport, you want people outside the sport looks looks good for the sport. Yes. You know, that's going to bring the sport up and going to... Yep. And make more money for everyone. Going to make the sport more famous, more popular. So if you start having like a lot of bad examples, bad examples, just going to be bad for everyone. Yeah, so, especially for kids. Like if you have a kids program, and now you're going to try to get parents to bring their kids in, and all they see is a bunch of people, you know, cursing each other, insulting, starting street fights. Yeah, it's not a good image. I well, think that every every human being carries a, so- a certain degree of social responsibility. When you have the lights on you, like Connor, people like Connor, for example, you have a lot of responsibility because you have a lot of children. A lot of people look yeah. up to you and they go, this is what I'm supposed to be like because that's successful. So they, they see him, right? They, that's what success is. So you get a lot of people, new gen- young generations, that will be copying him as a role model. Mm-hmm. So I think that they, they carry a, an enormous amount of responsibility. And I'm sure they're aware of it. I'm not sure they're always thinking it through. It's like, I want to make my money as quickly as I can and not really care about, 
you know, how future generations will, you know, will, will be influenced by my actions. And I think it's important to remember that we all have that responsibility, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think particularly the organizations need to have some control. That, oh, they're right? enforcing like, it. Yeah. If we're looking like at the UFC, for example, I would imagine they must have some clauses like the NFL does. That you can't just go and start yeah, making yeah. you're gonna you're gonna lose you're an ambassador of this organization. Sure. You're making them yes. look bad. I know jiu-jitsu is still you kind can, of small. You can you know? still market yourself, market and fight without uh, respect, without giving a bad right. example. You know, you can't like say you said, you're going to beat him and uh, submit him one minute. You know, that's your opinion. You're just being honest. If, yeah. Yeah. if you're being honest, maybe just yeah. saying because <laughs> <laughs> you want people to no, think that. I, I think so. but that could be healthy to promote a fight. Yeah, I get that's that. That's fine, yeah. you know. No, and him walking around, for example, with Gordon, walking around the cave and the king's hat, that's funny, right? Yeah. He's like, yeah. be, that's his style. He wants to be like that. Yeah. That's not offending anybody. Yeah, it's not offending. Yeah. Certainly, certainly. You know, but yeah, when he starts, uh, well, just, I don't know if he's I called anybody out. Like, nice, cross the line, people, like. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, I like I like to promote the fight. Say I'm gonna compete. You know, I don't talk much, but I never talk like uh, you. You know, like uh, bad words of the guy. Right, right. You know, if I don't like him, I just say, man, let's do it. Let's see what's gonna happen there. You know, and uh, I'm gonna be ready, something like that. And uh, I think the fight and the tournaments and stuff is the best way to prove that. You're actually good, you know. Yeah. You say going back to the the word, you, you fought him twice. You did a beautiful transition from when he fishes for that honey hole from the bottom position. And one time I asked you, you were never to compete at ACB, and I asked you if that was something you had trained for, if you just improvised on the spot. And you actually surprised me because you told me no, just improvise on the spot, <laughs> and that blew really? my mind away. Like no, there's no way because I thought you had been training for that move, you know, in preparation for the fight against him. But no, that you improvised. You basically did. Walk us through what you did. You basically re- you defend the honey hole and you turn into a bearing ball and you go straight to the back. <laughs> like I tried to do that to Jim in slow motion. I had a really hard time. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. Very, I, I, very I the difficult video. sequence. I the phone and I was showing Ron and everyone's like, okay. Very <laughs> difficult sequence. You did it instinctively. So that's very yeah. impressive. Yeah, it's like um, because, like, man, to be honest, that's very common in my game. <laughs> like every time I compete and people say, man, what is that to do? Man, I have no idea. I have to watch the video. <laughs> But uh, because I train a lot. True like, knowledge. That's, what, that's, that's, that's true knowledge. When you can do something, not even know what you're doing. That's real knowledge right yeah. there, man. But uh, it's like I train a lot. I, I was not used to yeah. heel hooks and stuff. I never had that fight uh, like that. So I train a lot of defense of heel hooks, you know, and attack heel hooks and uh, understand. Like the name you said, what's the name? Uh, Honeho. I had no idea what is Honeho. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't me, know what it was. It's for awesome. me, I call like Hill Hook 1, Hill Hook 2, Hill Hook 3, Hill Hook 4. You know, I gave it my name for the positions. Yeah, yeah, I feel like, here this Hill Hook 1, here Hill Hook 2. Okay. You know, I, and even now, I don't know the these names. <laughs> I can't keep up with the names. But yeah, I, Hill Hook 1, 2, 3, and 4 yeah, is good enough. But I, I study. I like to study and, yeah. and create techniques, you know. So I study one defense from for each heel hook, you know. I study them. If if heel hook one, I can do this. I can do that. And blah, blah, blah. Heel hook two, different. I need to do this, this, this. And I start training, and I actually get good at heel hooks because <laughs> now I'm training. I do a lot of heel hooks as well, and that many guys on heel hook, and that's how I got good on defending as well. And about the back take, I do back take since I am white belt. You know, I always feel very uh easy for me to take the back so i am like a lot of times you scramble bottom on top and i i see the back you know and i go forward and uh, i actually get so on the Gordon ryan this technique i actually didn't drill this technique or anything like that i, I was yeah. i drew the defense so yeah. i was defending the right way i think and then i saw the back yeah. and then i just went for the back and was able to do it, you and, know. And, and for sure, I did that many times on training. Yeah. But it's not the type of technique that I, I drill because it depends a lot of your opponent reaction. You know what I mean? Like if someone do a heel hook on you and just do the heel hook like this, maybe not able to take that back. If they do, they turn and then you turn and then it's a very complex move that not depends only about you, but depends of your opponent reaction as well. So. It's hard to teach that, actually. 
Yeah, and I, you didn't But I'm gonna it. teach. There is gonna be a DVD. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm gonna yeah, yeah, break yeah. down that. Don't there miss it. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the second time you did it, it was obviously it was. A, I mean, were you expecting this time and like, okay, this time I'm waiting for him to go for it so I can transition to the exact same move, or was it the same situation as the first time? Because you did it. I it was like identical. It was the exact same move, yeah. the exact same. Uh, it was like a replay. Yeah. Was a little difference because I went kind of like for a leg drag and then I was able to get the back, but it was pretty similar. But it was the same thing, like I don't go in a fight uh, thinking in one position, you know. I was confident in defend the heel hook, defend the leg attacks. It's actually pretty hard to tap me on that. But uh, so I went, but I, I like to, a lot to pass the guard. I like a lot to sweep. I have many submissions on top, borrow and take the back. So I. I feel uh, as a complete athlete, you know, and uh, I play my game, I start defend, and then I saw the opportunity again, and uh, I went forward, but I think if it went through from another way, just uh, not take the back, I still could, uh, you know, put my game on and uh, uh, and uh, accomplish, you know, the, the win. Like, my first fight against him, I was able to pass his guard, like, many times, you know, no gi, so I was confident on top and bottom, but I feel the opportunity and uh, I went. So let me ask you this, given that he, he fishes, I'm one thing that he does exceptionally well, and he uses it to sweep this time, but he gets into that honey hole position. In this term, he was sweeping, he wasn't going for the heel hook, obviously he can't, but he was still using it to sweep. So my question is, I guess going walking in there, would you, would you still... I mean, I'm assuming you would try to avoid that position because it's such a strong position of his, or you'd be confident enough to get to that position again and attempt to take the back from there again. If I fight him again? Yeah, if you have, if you fight, would you like try to avoid the position? Would you go like, okay, if he gets this honey hole, I'll go to his back again from the exact same position? Yeah, it's it's hard to avoid like one position from out the fight, you know? Yeah. Like uh, I always try to avoid like my opponent best positions, but uh, like you see in both fights, he got the the honey hole. the honey hole, you know the technique. Wait, is that your hook one, two, three, or four? By the way, <laughs> I think change a lot. <laughs> Was the one and three? <laughs> but uh, I think uh, it's hard to avoid, you know. Yeah. And you need be, of course, you can you can train to avoid. You can uh, try to avoid on the fight, but you need be ready yeah. if you get there as well. So I think if you fight again, probably you're gonna get there. Yeah. But uh, I will be ready to defend as well. Awesome. So when you prepare for fights, like, for example, like when you know you were going to fight Gordon the first time around, do you go into camp and like, okay, I'm going to game plan how to fight this guy based on his strengths? Or are you more focused just on what you're going to bring to the table? And don't? I know some people tell me they don't game plan. They just improvise everything. It uh, depends, like, depends a lot of who you fight, you know, like when you have a super fight, you can train for that game, you know. If it's someone like, uh, it's really like complete, like there is not like a really strong game, you just need to be ready and do your own game. But like for Gordon, I knew it, he was good in heel hooks and leg attacks and I was not, uh, I was not used to that. So I had to train specifically for that, you know, but still uh, train my game in my strong positions like back takes and and sweeps, passing like my, my own techniques. But I had to study his his own game, you know, in this type of techniques. Yeah. I was asking that because you were talking about how you can't avoid a certain position because some people I know, especially fighters, I don't like them watching too much tape of their opponents because then they become fixated on their opponent's game. And then everything's about not letting their opponent do mm -hmm. what they want, but forgetting about bringing their own game to the table. So I always yeah. tell people, yeah. like, you need awareness of what your opponent brings, but at the end of the day, the focus goes on you. Focus on you. Yeah, yeah. You, there is, it's a both way. Like, uh, I think it's good you know your opponent's best positions and know how to defend and study that, but you can't let your strong game on the side. You know, you need to be focused your own game and train your strong positions and have in mind uh, his strong position as well to defend, but you you can't forget your own game and forget your own game. Yeah, so on that note, you, you, you have an upcoming fight against Andre Govan, current ADCC champion. 
Andre has won like what two or three super fights now. He's a legend. Really right. Yeah, so very yeah, impressive he's the record. Max of, uh, he's the yeah, he has a record for the a number record, of yeah. a, a, a well, he, super fight wins. Yeah, because he won it in 2011. So then he did, he fought the first super and fight. And then he beat 13, Braulio. 15, 17. And then he beat after Braulio, he beat... Uh, Claudio, I think, right? Oh, no, Claudio was 2017. Hmm? No, he beat Cyborg, right? No. Yes. Cyborg, yeah. 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 Cyborg, Cyborg, and then he beat uh, Claudio. Yeah. That's very impressive. So he's going against you. He's talking about retiring after this fight. I've heard him saying that. Um, you competed against Sundra before. You guys are two and two. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Gi and Nogi or Augi? How did that go? Augi. Never Augi. competed uh, Nogi. First, first time. Okay. So what's, um, I mean, thoughts about that fight? How do you feel about it? Uh, I'll be 100% ready, you know. I'm excited for that fight. Uh, it's my biggest goal. This and the world, you know. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it'll be a really exciting match. And uh, I'm really excited and motivated for that, you know. So, it should show I want to win that match. <laughs> Absolutely. I think probably going to be our last match. So, it's very important for me. Yeah. Well, Andres has had an impressive run, too. I've, I've known Andres since he was a blue belt. Um, you know, we're both really young. And I've known each other for a long time. Well, I've known him for a long time. And uh, he's one, one thing I've always liked about Andre is that he, he's always he's always liked to compete. Like he enjoys competing. Like he's had one of the longest jiu-jitsu careers in, out of everyone, really. He's just one of those guys. I like, think very few people have competed as much as him. So it's still impressive that he's still active and reigning champion. He's kind of taken a step back the last year or so. Understandably, he's got runs a very successful team, and I'm sure he's very busy. And it's difficult to stay active, you know, especially for someone who's been training as long as he has. But, you know, I think he, if it is his last match, it's uh, it's going to be a hell of a war, man. I'm excited. It'll be fun to watch. Make sure. <laughs> yeah, I think you guys, uh, well, obviously you match up well because you're two and two. Yeah, but I didn't realize they were both geese. I guess it'll be interesting to see how there's no geese. Yeah, it's no, a different one, dynamic. Yeah, he's got a really good wrestling attack. Right? That's been his, I mean, in the yeah. recent years, that really has been his, like, biggest improvement, I feel like, has been his wrestling game. Because I remember back in the day, it wasn't necessarily good. But, you know, over the last few years, it's really gone up a lot. Like, I think that's been where he's clearly was supposed to put most of his focus on. Yeah, it seems like that the way to me. Especially with the, the way ACC rules are set up. Yeah. The takedown is... Is key element. You've seen yeah. more and more wrestling in ADCC. Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. Like, the rule, like, you... Who do wrestling and takedowns, like, take advantage on, yeah. the, on ADCC, you know? So, you need to be good at it. What do you guys think of that rule, the no points for turtle position? I always felt that that's like, man, we need those points. Okay. Because as a result, it's so difficult to score points. And that's oh. why it goes to overtime all the time. Yeah. Well, what, what, which one? If you go to turtle position, no points. Uh -huh. yeah, you, so get, you have to pin them down practically. You don't get, like in IBJJF, if I sweep yeah. you and take your back, turtle position, that's two. Mm -hmm. Right. Same thing with the takedown. Yeah, I think, it, like you said, it creates more overtimes. And to me, like yeah. when a, a match goes into overtime consistently, it's like a failure of the rule set. Right? Yeah. Like we, uh, you know, often we talked about with like, for example, EBI, how like uh, it's like I think forty or thirty-five percent of the matches go into overtime. That's a that's a ridiculous. terrible stat. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Because that means like they can't finish the matches in the regulation because yeah. the way the rules are yeah. designed. So I think with ADCC, with, I mean, I've had in one year, the year that I, I competed with you, Rob, in two thousand seven, I fought four times and and grappled for seventy minutes. <laughs> So, oh, 70 minutes 70 minutes for four so matches in four matches so my first match was 10 minutes regulation yeah. second match I fought Tarsus and went to double overtime yeah. and my third match I fought Zanjit and went triple overtime Jeez. and then in my fourth match I fought Robert but now they overtime. change right now it's only like the, not one until overtime. the final is just yeah. one overtime yeah well that's yeah. what they told me too in the rules yeah remember like in, I fought when I, I fought actually I would like to fight like no time limit man yeah like it should be before yeah, yeah. That, I think that would be really Nice for my game. It's a, if, it's, if, if you have the cardio, yeah. Like, it's yeah. I mean, one of those people that can make them flow for a long time. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, in the end, like, there is no referee decision. That's... You have but, to find uh, out. But, of course, it's really boring for who is watching. It can be. I remember yeah. we might have Gordon and Keenan. It's like, oh, my God, like 90 minutes. Yeah. Like, that was bad. Yeah. I've had a match like that. And I fought Lovato. And in what was supposed to be AECC rules... Grappers Quest. It was a 16-man tournament. Mm -hmm. We had Lovato the first round. And after the eight minutes, 
it was I was winning by advantages. The referee forgot to keep count, so like overtime, mm. and then the overtime again the advantages were tied. So they said, you know what, sudden death, first person to score points wins. But mm-hmm. it was like 14 minutes, 12 minutes, and nobody scored a point. <laughs> it ended up going 58 minutes, and it was just like. Me Please. trying to pass, Lovato defending. Yeah. But uh, at the end, I scored. They changed the rules. Like, okay, first advantage wins. And I got the first advantage. But <laughs> it was after 50 it. minutes. Yeah. And that was the first match. I had to fight Salo next. And oh then somebody gets a. Yeah, it's. Stuff. I think no time limit. It's got to be one match. <laughs> yeah, true. It'd be a super fight. Right? Yeah, super fight for sure. Well, I mean, you know, this is um, approaching the end of our, of our podcast here now. I got one more question because this is something I'm huge on. I know Dave is too. Um, how important is mindset to you versus physical physical and technical training? I kind of put those two in the same category. I think we put a lot of focus into tactics, the physical aspect, and the technique. And, of course, that's important. I truly feel that most of it comes to the mindset, you know, and how you feel about competition, how confident you are, and, um, you know, like the accountability you put on yourself when you lose. Like a lot of people don't do that. They lose and they blame the world for their losses, right? Yeah. I'm huge on that. So it's your mental approach to grappling. How do you feel about that as far as your mental game? Like, do you feel like you improved over the years or how important is it to you? In my, in my or in general? In, in your opinion. In my opinion, the mental game is the most important uh, for the, yeah. the athlete, you know, because I have seen, like, even my students, like, uh, many athletes that is w- way less technical, way less prepared, you know, but they they win because they really want it, you know, and they have a heart and they have the desire and they don't give up, they tough, you know, and they can beat like really tough guys like that, you know. And uh, and I see and I see the opposite as well, like people that are really good in the gym, like really tough, like giving trouble for everyone, really, really technical, they train a lot, but they get in a tournament and looks like they freeze, you know, I don't know. Like uh, and they lose for someone that it's way worse than for yeah. and them. So I think my mindset, uh, confidence, and uh, you feel you feel happy competing. You know you enjoy competing. You like you enjoy the adrenaline. You enjoy face someone. It's like uh, really is the most important thing and. Uh, I think I built my mental game on these three years that I said, you know, the, where I really had to train like crazy, you know, train hurt, train, train it injured, train uh, w- w- if I'm sick, doesn't matter what I'm training. And uh, I think that made my mindset like really strong and made like I enjoy training someone that uh, or compete someone that's really tough you know like I actually enjoy like when someone from outside that's really like tough and come to the gym I stay like the whole night thinking about the oh man tomorrow I'm gonna train <laughs> tomorrow I'm gonna train that guy train that guy I hope he yeah, comes I hope awesome. he comes you know and I get the gym and I yeah man let's go I get really excited you know yeah, to yeah, like yeah. test myself and have like this type of train you know and um, uh, like for example, I I, I always train with my students. Like uh, we do like the competition training, and always in the end of the competition, like in the end of the week, you are really, really tired, you know, and you you call someone that is really tough, and they give you a, a trouble to do something, you know, maybe uh, you they score the event on you, they score a point on you, and you get like really. First state, not like mad, but yeah. you, you get mad. Yeah, it's good. It's a good mad. Yeah, and it's then you call, yeah. and then you call them in the end and say, "Let's yeah. go, man." And uh, and then you keep rolling, you keep rolling, you keep rolling until yeah. the time finish. And no, man, let's keep, let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and then you look to the clock and yeah. roll like one hour after yeah. train, you know. So yeah. I really enjoy that. You so, know? so what's a typical uh, hard competition session, a hard session at your gym? Or just walk, walk us through it. Uh, I have the competition training every day, like 10.30 a.m. And uh, it's one hour and a half of training. And we do like one position in the beginning and then the rest it's sparring. So like some days it's like 10 of 6, some days 12 of 6, some days like 10 of 8. But it's pretty much like 
one, one to one hour and uh, 20 minutes of sparring. Yeah. But of course, there is like uh, many different ways for you to do that train. You know, I say to my student, if you do, if you go to someone hard in the, ne in the next round, you call someone that you can like really control, yeah. you're cheating, you know, yeah. because you just, uh, uh, trick. You just trick your, yourself, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm not saying this because I'm chasing you or anything like that, bro. I'm saying this because I want you to be like I'm mentally strong, yeah. you yeah. know. I want you uh, uh, picking, picking, picking on not saying yeah. this because I'm picking you. I'm saying this because, man, that's how you, you build your yeah. mentally strong, I, you know. I, I normally tell and, my uh, students that jujitsu love is tough love. If you love your training partners, you beat yeah. the shit out of them, of course. That's that's how you show yeah. your love. It's not by being nice to them. <laughs> You're not learning a thing when you're nice to them. You got to beat the crap out of them. Yeah. And that's that's you saying, I truly love you. I love you so much. I'm going to give you all this energy. I'm going to tap you as much as I can. And I'm going to make you a better grappler. Yeah. yeah. Of course, there is different type of training partners. If you yeah. if you go with someone that trained for hobby and you do that, you know, of course, they're going to get mad. <laughs> you kind of being a, like a douchebag. If you do yeah. with a punching bag. Yeah. But on competition training, yeah. everyone is there to compete. You know, everyone's there to get smashed and smash someone. So... You need to actually train like really hard, you know. Absolutely. And it's not just enough to be in a hard room. You know, yeah. I, I learned this in high school. I went to a famous wrestling camp. It's called the J. Robinson Intensive Camp. It's 28 days long. It's And everybody in high school is afraid of there because like they're training. The first day you get there, you're running miles and doing mm -hmm. stairs. And you train four times a day for two hours each session. Like, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> it's really, really tough, it, right? You wake up at six in the morning, you fall asleep at eleven at night, and you pretty much all you do is eat, sleep, train. And you wake up, you train, you shower, you eat, you sleep for thirty minutes, you train again, and it repeats four times. But when I first got there, I was terrified because I was like, I was completely out of shape. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't prepare beforehand. I, I remember I told myself, okay, I'm gonna start running every day, like a month before. Yeah. And then I looked, I'm like, it's a week before. I'm like, crap. Let me, let me run a mile. I ran it like in nine minutes. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get crushed. <laughs> I'm going tomorrow. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, mom. Yeah, mom paid all this money because I have to fly to Minnesota. I'm like, oh God, yeah. I'm going to wash out day one. Yeah. Right? But I survived and then I started doing better and better. But I noticed there were kids that were terrible and they still survived. Yeah. But then I saw them train and they weren't training hard, even though. You could train as hard as you possibly want. Like there was training sessions where I would throw up. I was literally crying from how hard I pushed. Yeah. But there's other kids that they're like, oh, wrestling. And then they're just like, uh, you know, they're, they're yeah. still, they make a verbal agreement. Right? Like, oh, we're going to rest this round. Yeah. You know? yeah. Whereas like, so like what you're saying, like if you grab an easy partner, yeah, you can go through a full yeah. session. And, and then you, you can do like 30 rounds, you know, that way. But yeah, it's but better. It's like you said, quality, you know, yeah. it's better you do like 10 rounds good with quality then do like 30 rounds you know so yeah. awesome well i think that's a good way to end it uh, um you had any other questions dave i'm sorry oh no i would say felipe you were talking about yeah. you had a dvd coming out oh, i'm sorry website. yes yes, DVD yes. Was yeah. Promote. yeah that's Shadows important and... guys Come yes. of course <laughs> support yeah <laughs> Go do your thing, man. So, uh, I'm gonna be releasing some courses, you yeah. know. I'm gonna do like many type of courses. That uh, the first gonna be how to improve your jujitsu, your uh, six months your jujitsu. No, the opposite. How to improve your, your one year jujitsu in six months, you know. Mm, okay. So, gonna be specific for blue, white, and blue belts. And then I'm gonna keep doing that. Like, I'm gonna do probably a no gi one, you know, with the defense of your hooks. I'm gonna teach the back take <laughs> nice <laughs> so yeah i'm gonna keep that i'm gonna be posting my social media very soon you know probably in like two or three months so stay tuned it'll be a pleasure uh have you guys there awesome awesome well um yeah guys uh follow felipe pena at felipe pena jiu-jitsu is that it at felipe, felipe pena bjj at felipe pena bjj uh, Felipe, thank you so much. This is our very first episode, so we're excited. It's a pl privilege to have you here. My pleasure. Too bad you're leaving tomorrow morning. He's leaving in like five hours and we're driving to the airport. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure you'll be back here at some point and we'd love to have you back. For sure. It'll be a pleasure. Thank you guys for the awesome. invite. Congrats. Awesome. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for tuning in to the Breaking the Guard podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. 
As always, make sure you subscribe to us. We are available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. And if you want to see the video of the podcast, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. And all the links are in the description that you can access or just visit our website, which is breakingtheguard.com. A final word from one of our sponsors, which is Drysdale Jiu-Jitsu. Drysdale Jiu-Jitsu is the premier mixed martial arts academy in the Las Vegas, Nevada area. If you're interested in learning more about the martial arts or jiu-jitsu, the best place to go here in Las Vegas is Drysdale Jiu-Jitsu, run by the prestigious and very well-known Robert Drysdale, the second American ever to win the Mundials at the black belt level and an ADCC absolute champion. He has an incredible program here, which caters to all ages and sizes. We have programs for kids, uh, adults. There's executive classes for 35 and up, women's only classes, fitness classes. And if you want to learn jujitsu, judo, striking, wrestling, MMA, there's programs for you here. Again, very diverse program with excellent instruction. You can learn more about joining at drysdalejujitsu.com. Or you could give them a call at 702-258-0048. Again, that's 702-258-0048. Or you could visit drysdalejujitsu.com.